Hi, this is Pastor Tim, and I'm always encouraged to hear what God is doing in your life. Now, if you have a story or a testimony to share regarding a miracle, please let me know at story at citylifefw.org. That's story at citylifefw.org. Hey, I'm looking forward to hearing your personal story soon. Welcome to the City Life Podcast. We're all about making Jesus known. We pray these messages will help equip you to become a follower of Jesus, who is empowered to influence and shape culture. Enjoy the message. Amen. Good morning and welcome to church. God bless you. Get your Bibles and get your notes out. And uh, I want you to go ahead as you're having a seat, go ahead and uh, open them up. Two places today. One is in the book of Colossians, the New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, and the other is Matthew chapter 6, uh, verse 9. Hold those two. We'll do the Colossians one first here in just a few minutes. And while you're uh, getting getting all set up, just to let you know, next week I'm starting a brand new series of messages called Words to the Wise. So if you're wise, you'll be here. I, I'm excited because I've been working on this message uh, a lot this past week already and pretty excited about sharing it. Hey, but it's Thanksgiving week. Do you like that? Yeah, yeah. It's this week where a lot of things seem, seem to be preeminent. Um, this is a week uh, known for like road trips. How many of you guys are taking road trips uh, Thanksgiving? Oh, yeah, some road trips. Yeah, uh, uh, getting outdoors and just enjoying the outdoors. This is one of the things I love to do. I just love to try to get outside somehow uh, around this time of year. Just love being, being outdoors. And then there's Black Friday, how many of you Black Friday celebrators are out here? Yeah, I'm praying for you guys. I, <laughs> yeah, and, and then then there's the of course then after that's the Cyber Monday, which is a lot easier. Uh, turkey, how many of you guys does will do turkey at Thanksgiving? You're your turkey eaters. Yeah, I love. Gotta have the turkey. Gotta have the turkey. It's like it's not Thanksgiving. Remember one, one time when I was a kid, my mom did a ham. It was like, Mom, this isn't turkey, and and we, we, how can we do Thanksgiving? The pilgrims would not be proud of us and all that uh, desserts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And then there's football, and then there's a day or two or three or more off of work. How many of you getting just a little bit of time off work, at least just a little bit? Good. Four people, okay. Well, the rest of you will be praying for y'all. Uh, family, and then, then what, what's the deal? What's the deal? We always have to, like, do brown and orange at Thanksgiving. I, I don't understand it, but it's just part of the deal. You you certainly don't do pink at Thanksgiving or anything like that. But but we'll, we'll do all of that, and, and I get to spend time with friends. When I was back in college, um, I never really even had a place to go for Thanksgiving, uh, working uh, in, in college here in the Metroplex. I was paying my way through school, and I worked at a grocery store, and... and uh, <clears throat> So what I would do, because I knew people wanted off, I would just go to the management and I would say, hey, I want to have as much time at work as possible. I'll do double shifts and whatever. And they would, they would do it to me. I, I, mean, I would get this crazy paycheck, sometimes like, like about four times what I'd normally get because of that. But I would just work, 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 and they would let me rack up all this overtime, extra holiday pay. And, and I loved it. It, it, was, it was just kind of my way of getting through Thanksgiving. But part of the reason was is because I just I had no family in the area and no one to to celebrate Thanksgiving with and and all my friends kind of went went home for their Thanksgivings and here I was working and so you know some some of you may feel that way uh, and it's just uh, trying to trying to get through the holiday but know that good days are on the other side of that because I eventually found Rebecca and then things got a whole lot better. This is also the week where we think about pilgrims and Indians, uh, like holding hands and being friends, right? Yeah, yeah, some of you dress up like pilgrims and Indians. but but And that's actually where the concept of Thanksgiving started. You guys know that. Most of you 
Uh, really, Thanksgiving started off. It was kind of an informal celebration uh, by the in, in the colonial days, even in the early American culture, and it was celebrated really in a lot of different ways. It was celebrated on different days. It was uh, you know, in different places. It was hot. Other places that you know it was not basically. But then it was formalized in 1863 by uh, President Abraham Lincoln. And uh, but the only thing is about about uh, Thanksgiving is it's always been a day of busyness. Uh, I mean, freedom from busyness, really. A uh, day of giving thanks and just just thanking God. And, and there's 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 this other element of it. It's the ancient tradition of a big feast. Did you know? Did you know that feasting on a holiday? is biblical. Any of you guys know that? That is very, very, very biblical. So I promise you, I am going to be biblical this Thursday. And I just, I just challenge you guys to be biblical with me. Just be good servants of God. You know, God would be proud of you. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the very first Thanksgiving that was celebrated as a national holiday uh, was actually at the lowest and <clears throat> most difficult time in American history. It was during the middle of the American Civil War. Um, the loss of life was horrific. I mean, today in, in, in our world, we, we are very cognizant and aware of the lives of, the, uh, of, of people who have been lost in the Iraq and Afghanistan wars. And, and, uh, and we, you know, that it's, it's challenging to just to think about that. There's, there's been a loss of some 6,800 lives, 6,800 lives, um, of Americans in these wars over the past 17 years. Um, but then when we contrast that, when we compare that with, uh, what happened during the civil war, civil war was four years and the loss of life was much more than 6,800. It was approximately 655,000 lives. That is huge, 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 massive loss of life, 100 times more than what we've seen lost in Afghanistan in Iraq over the past 17 years, over a shorter time period. And the population of the United States was much, much, much smaller at that time. So, so basically, everyone knew someone who had lost their life or a family that had been devastated and traumatized through this horrible, horrible war. It is the, it, this is the deadliest, bloodiest war in American his, history, far, far, far outshining the American Revolution. And uh, it speaks to us today. You know, when you're, when you're facing so much loss and so much pain and so much agony, how in the world can you be grateful? Like what President Lincoln was calling people to be grateful for in the middle of this, this tragedy. But about two and a half years into this war, uh, the president issued his very famous presidential proclamation, which established this holiday and, and really set it in motion for us today. The presidential proclamation was actually called not Thanksgiving. <laughs> it's interesting because we've lost a little bit of what the president established, but it was called a day of Thanksgiving and praise. Abraham Lincoln, October 3rd. Why don't you put that slide up there real quick? Just, just to show, you know, I want you to see the dates right there. Yeah, that's what it was called. A day of Thanksgiving and praise. Uh, this proclamation was not a discussion of pilgrims. 
It wasn't any chatter about Indians, but it was about giving thanksgiving and praise to God, observing the good things in the country in spite of the stench of death, the destruction of property, and the sin of slavery. See, the president's words, I'm going to share a few of them with you. They should convict your heart, because they do mine. Because way, way, way too many times we hold on to um, unforgiveness, we hold on to our personal pain, feelings maybe of rejection, financial frustration, maybe envy, when God has called us to put that aside and live above it. And the president called for that in our nation at that time. Take a look at his opening words. He says, this year that is drawing towards its close has been, look at this, filled with the blessing of fruitful fields and healthy skies. To these bounties which are so constantly enjoyed that we are prone to forget the source from which they come. Stop right there. If you were to only see that part, you would think this is the beginning of a proclamation that is coming out during a time of just wonderful peace and everything's going great. See, he starts it off by talking about the good things. Don't forget the context. Death, destruction, hatred. He says, in the midst of a civil war of unequaled magnitude and severity, which has sometimes seemed to foreign states, that talks about other countries, to invite and to provoke their aggression, peace has been preserved with all nations. Order has been maintained and laws have been respected and obeyed and harmony has prevailed everywhere except in the theater of military conflict. Again, you see how it's the focus on the good. This proclamation goes on to discuss uh, a time of financial prosperity, which I didn't even know. I would never, I'd never even learned that in American history, but it was actually a time of financial prosperity uh, in America. And he even talks about how the loss of life was not nearly as bad as it could be. Wow. And then in this proclamation, he brings his attention and our attention back to God. I want you to, wants to pick up on it here. Look at this. He says, no human counsel has devised nor have any mortal hand worked out these great things. In other words, nobody in their wisest mind could ever do this. (laughs) He says, they are gracious gifts of the most high God who, while dealing with us in anger for our sins, has nevertheless remembered mercy. That's a quote from the scriptures. So he says, it has seemed to me fit and proper that we should be solemnly, reverently, and gratefully acknowledged as with one heart and one voice, remember the context, a divided America, by the whole American people. He says, I, I, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as... Here it is, a day of thanksgiving and praise to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. That's the definition of thanksgiving in America is coming directly from our government. 
And he says, and I, I recommend to them, which is all Americans, look at this, l- listen, listen to these words, that while offering up the ascriptions justly due to him for such singular deliverances and blessings, they do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience commend to his tender care all who have become widows and orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife in which we are unavoidably engaged and fervently implore the interposition of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation and restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to the full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. Wow. If a president, any president, if any president talked like that today, I mean, it would be in the news. What is he trying to do? (laughs) Right? How far we've come. Yet this is the truth. This is our nation. This is why we have Thanksgiving. Right here. This president established it. You see, in, in the midst of my nation's darkest hour, there's no anger. There's no attitudes of rejection. There's only humility. There's worship. There's penitence. There's recognition of the good in the midst of the horrific. And there's gratitude, just, just pure and simple gratitude. This is the real first federal holiday called Thanksgiving or a day of Thanksgiving and praise. A day of intense gratitude toward God. Gratitude's a good thing. You see, I, I don't think the president had all of the medical and psychological uh, evaluations and all this information that we have today, but gratitude, actually, we know it now, it boosts your immune system. <laughs> a gratitude will give you uh, more resilience to stress in your life. Gratitude lowers your depression. Gratitude will, will increase your feelings of energy, your determination, and your strength. You know, gratitude will even help you sleep better at night, yeah? <laughs> it, will, it will fuel your overall happiness and your attitude toward life. Isn't that good? Yeah, I mean, gratitude will also, it, it'll also counteract uh, destructive attitudes in your life, such as envy and resentment and greed. And, and, and another really nice thing, especially in today's Facebook and Instagram culture, is that, that you will spend less time comparing yourself to others when you have gratitude. Gratitude, it, it develops humility. It develops a, a desire to uh, reciprocate gifts when they come to you and you give, them, you give back and, and it, it causes just goodness to begin to flow out of all areas of your life. Uh, it, it's, it's shown that gratitude causes us to be more compassionate, more forgiving. It connects us with God. It connects us with other people better. It's huge. Hey, gratitude is underlying for, for your breakthrough. You want to have a breakthrough in your life? Begin to do this gratitude thing. That is something. Gratitude is something that we practice every single time we get together, and that's how important it is. You see, but ingratitude is different. Um, ingratitude fuels bitterness, um, envy, negativity, uh, even sickness and loneliness, self hatred. That's fueled by ingratitude. 
if you're not grateful, you'll, you'll develop this, I guess you could call it like this, this ingrained attitude where you're going to notice the negative above the, above the positive in just about every situation. Without gratitude, uh, you're going to find it hard, hard to be happy with even what you have at the moment. And, and you're going to think everybody else always has something better than you. And as ingratitude intensifies in our lives, we begin just to dwell on all the things other people are all doing wrong. Uh, we dwell on how we've been shortchanged. We dwell on how God didn't come through for us like we expected, and we've been violated, and we've been sinned against. Ingratitude fuels all that. It's this deep, seething undercurrent of ugliness that we feel toward God and even toward other people. And, and the way you know that that's there is, is, is just by assessing your own words, things that you mumble to yourself when nobody else hears what you're saying. It's the thoughts that go over and over in your mind, the schemes that you're putting together. It's the things that you're holding on to in your heart of, of anger and revenge and even destruction. But if you return to gratitude, things will shift for you. But I'm telling you, this is so important. A key to that is forgiveness because forgiveness is going to accelerate your gratitude. A lot of times we give ourselves permission only to express gratitude when we're happy or when things are going good or, or when things are happening the way, the way we want, want it to happen. Like, like we enjoy how people are treating us and so we're grateful or, or, or when God is just bringing every single prayer request to our doorstep and, and everything's just happening great, then it's easy to be grateful. And that's easy to be grateful in those circumstances, right? When we approve of what's happening in our lives. But when does that ever really happen? What happens when other people hurt us? What happens when people cause events to unfold in our lives that we don't understand or that are simply unfair? The thing is, that, that, that's where we actually have to forgive. And then we open the door to this incredible lifestyle of gratitude. The truth is, is that unforgiving people, in reality, just can't be grateful. That's why you're missing your breakthrough. But today, you can demolish that. And that's my prayer for you today. Today, you can become a grateful person. And I just want to tell you this much. It is really wonderful being a grateful person. It just helps in so many areas of life. I mean, you, you, start, you start to say thank you all the time. You just say, you'll, you'll say thank you for anything. I mean, a, a server comes up to your table and places a napkin down. And, and what do you say? Yeah. A children's worker who's been watching over your child, you take the child back and, and you look at that children's worker and you say, you. your boss at work gives you a paycheck because you've worked all week and you say, I deserve it. That's usually what we say, right? What about this? Thank you. Thank you. A greeter gives you a brochure at the door and you say, thank you. Your spouse makes you a cup of coffee and you say, Thank you. A parking lot attendant takes you directly to a parking spot. I, I had one do that for me at, a, at the, the county uh, courthouse building the other day, and, and, uh, and, and they directed me to my spot and, and took my cone away, and just it's like the lady was all bundled up and was cold. I'm like, thank you. And I gave her a hug. She goes, you're just like the happiest person ever. Nobody's ever happy coming over here. It's like, uh, well, well, good. <laughs> a cop pulls you over. 
because uh, you're being, you know, dangerous and, and uh, you could cause harm to other people or even to yourself. And he stops you. And so you say, thank you. You know, I practice that. I do that. It is hard. That, that, that is hard. I don't get to practice it very often, but, but uh, I do it. Or how about this? An airline pilot lands your plane and you're walking off the plane alive. You look at that pilot and you say, thank you. Thank you. You know, really, really, really. If you get in the habit of doing this, you're going to begin to lift your head up more because you will see you are lifting the countenance of other people around you. You, you, you actually have no idea what the other people are going through and what you might be bringing to them at that very moment. I like what Devin said a couple of weeks ago when he was up here on the platform. He says, the struggle ends when the gratitude begins. I jotted that down real quick, stole it for this message because I love it. We all have to admit our own inability just to do things on our own. We need each other. Uh, if, if maybe the terms um, independent or self-reliant are, are terms that kind of you use to describe yourself, well, then I'll just tell you, it will be almost impossible for you to be grateful. You didn't create yourself. Uh, you didn't raise yourself, even though some of you thought you did. <laughs> You didn't pave the roads that you came in on today. You didn't grow the food that you ate last week. And I know that one little piece of cilantro that you had doesn't count, okay, you know? And you didn't make the clothes you're wearing today. Now, some of you might say, yeah, I did. No, 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 you didn't. You did not go out there and get the fabric and put it together. And do it. No, no, you didn't. You didn't. You didn't make it. And, and you know, the truth is, you see, we need other people. And, and even if you're like the most extreme of introverts, truth be told, you would probably go crazy if you were forced to forever be alone. See, we all rely on other people. And that includes God. God and other people who meet our physical, our emotional, and our spiritual needs. We are what's called interdependent. We give and we receive. It's like Job said in the Bible, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So just blessed be the name of the Lord. That's a good attitude to have. See, we, we, we need to kill um, entitlement of every type that's in our lives. Entitlement is the attitude of where we say, well, whatever I have, I've earned and it's mine. I deserve this. I had this coming and I deserve more. Well, for me, what I have in this American culture is wonderful, really. Those of you who were in India last couple of weeks, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But the reason I have anything that I have is because my ancestors, they got in a ship and they left behind the progress of England and Holland. They fought in the Revolutionary War for the Constitution that I enjoy. During the Civil War, even as North Carolina citizens, they worked to set the slaves free. And some of them lost their homes and their jobs and their properties as a result. They fought in World War II. They fought in the Korean War. My ancestors worked hard to provide and to give the next generation just a tiny little step up and a head start. So I don't deserve any of it. I don't deserve any of this. And I'm not entitled to anything that I have. And really, 
when it comes to resentment toward other people, I, I, I'm actually only ripping myself off when I hold an unforgiveness in my heart toward God or toward other people who I feel may have shortchanged me. Take a look there in the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 15. Take a look at what Paul said to this church. This is interesting because he said, let the peace of Christ, the peace of Jesus, rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. What, he, what he's saying here is, you're a church, you're one body, I want you to be one unit, you are called to peace, and I want you to be thankful. It almost sounds like the, the, the roots of that presidential proclamation I read earlier. And then he says something else, and this is something that we also practice. That's why it's so important to do this. He said, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. You know, when we start our services off with, with the music, that's not just so that you can come to a free concert and enjoy some nice music, like, oh, yeah, nice, nice, nice concert. No, that's not it. That's an inspiration to worship Jesus and, and to express some gratitude and then get rid of the junk and the crud that's in your mind and just get rid of all that and focus on God. There's power in that. How do you do these things that, that he's talking about? I mean, how do you do this? Well, you forgive and you love. You just choose to be grateful. One of the places that our missions team visited in India this last couple of weeks was a leprosy colony. It seems like a place like this would be a place where there would be deep hatred toward God, deep hatred toward other people, but that's not the case. I want you to listen to Colby's story as he shares with us a little bit about his own personal experience in India a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so I want to uh, kind of set up the background of this so you guys can kind of feel what it's like to be there. And, and so where this uh, leprosy colony is, is kind of on the outskirts of town because back when they had built it, um, people were, were scared. They were very afraid of getting leprosy. And so actually what had happened was um, people that had leprosy where they lived, uh, the villagers would come and burn it. Um, and some of them would be burned alive as a result because they were terrified of this disease. So, so these people had um, people that hated them because of something that, they, that, that happened to them, something that they couldn't help. And so this ministry was built and... Um, this, this colony was built and set up for them. And, and it's, you know, it, it's very practical. It's not pretty. I want you to think of maybe some of those buildings you see off of a Lancaster. It's a stone structure, um, you know, concrete floors, concrete walls. And, um, and it is, you know, several beds where they have a place to sleep and maybe a space for a few personal items. So not, you know, and they're not staying at the Hilton or anything like that. And this is actually a picture of one of the ladies that we were able to meet there. And um, we got to talk with her and, and you know, they told, told her why we were there. And, and um, you know, they have to translate everything because they speak what's, uh, it's Telugu is the language over there. And as we were talking with her, she started um, singing. She started singing this song in her language and, and like tears filled her eyes and, and it was an amazing moment. It was, a, it was pure worship and they translated it for us. And what she was saying was, Jesus, 
Thank you for coming into my heart. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Jesus, thank you for loving me and giving me a relationship with you. And this is a person who, who had lost everything. Uh, many of the people there, they hadn't seen their families for years. A lot of their families had left them because of the disease. And again, you know, she had, she had uh, humble surroundings, but she did not let that get in the way of her relationship with Jesus. Her circumstances did not determine her relationship with Jesus. Wow. And yeah, tell me, that's true faith. That is true faith, isn't it? And I love that. Love that story. Thank you, Colby. Yeah, that's one of the ministries that that we support overseas. And you see, I, I, I was even looking at the picture this time, and I noticed she has a tambourine right beside her. You know, she's playing that for Jesus. Certainly not for a show. That, 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 that's, that's deep gratitude toward God. This is refocusing your own pain and your difficulty. See, gratitude toward God, uh, it not only does good things for us, but it brings breakthroughs to other people. In fact, when we express gratitude toward other people, man, it just blesses them. You, you don't even know how gratitude can bless another person. I mean, several years ago, there was this, uh, this, this pastor, and he was also a famous writer, William Stidger. He was reflecting on a, uh, on a teacher with some gratitude. Now, this is a teacher that, that, was, uh, that had taught him about literature, given him appreciation for it when he was a teenager, and, and, and it really sparked his own desire to be a writer and laid the foundation for his ministry. And he realized that he had never expressed gratitude toward her. And so what he did one day is he, he sat down one evening, and just, as soon as he thought of her, he just, he just quickly wrote a personal letter to her and put it in the mail to her. A few days later, um, his teacher received this letter from Reverend Stidger, and she replied back, and in one of his books, he says that he received a reply in a, written in a shaky scrawl that read this, my dear Willie, <laughs> I am now an old lady in my 80s. I'm living alone in a small room. I'm cooking with my own utensils, my own meals. I'm lonely, and I'm seemingly like the last leaf of fall left behind. You'll be interested to know, Willie, I have taught school for 50 years, and in all that time, yours is the first note of appreciation I ever received. And it also came on a blue, cold morning, and it cheered my lonely old heart as nothing has cheered me in many, many years. Wow. What could your small act of gratitude do for someone else? Are you willing just to drop your issues? Maybe suspend your busyness? And especially do with your unforgiveness and engage in some deep gratitude? Are you willing to help even bring a breakthrough for someone else? Are you desirous of even having your own personal breakthrough? So remember this, is that forgiveness accelerates gratitude. Forgive and be grateful for the people around you. I, I think one of the reasons why some people are angry at God is, is because they feel that God is not answering their prayers and that they're praying and things just aren't happening. And, and, but, but 
I think that one of the reasons might be because of there's, there could be something behind that. When Jesus gave us the model prayer, which we call the Lord's Prayer, he gave us this illustration of how we should pray. And here's what he said. And, and uh, you have it in your Bibles right there. Matthew chapter number six, verse nine. He said, this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Now you should have this underlined in your Bibles. This is a big scripture here, okay? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So you see, the prayer starts off with gratitude toward God. And then comes a part about provision. Give us this day our daily bread. Most people have that part memorized. It's like, okay, God, I need something. And there's nothing wrong with asking God for things. Nothing wrong with it. That's just a portion of it, though. Then he says, and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Lead us not a temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, hold on for a second. Look right in the middle of that. Because there's a request there for forgiveness, but it is qualified. It's qualified. You have to forgive as you have forgiven. It's kind of interesting then because at the end of the prayer, Jesus goes immediately into an explanation of that little line right there. You see, because he knew he was throwing the disciples a curveball. They'd never heard this in a prayer before. This is like a new concept to them. I <laughs> go, wait a minute. So, so Jesus, without them saying a word, immediately addressed it. And he said this, for if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. See, what Jesus is letting us know here is that God's forgiveness of us comes along with our responsibility to forgive other people. And we forgive because we understand the mercy and the grace of God. We know and understand that God has been generous with mercy toward our lives. And because of that, we want to be generous with mercy and grace toward others. See, we have sinned so much more toward God than anyone has ever sinned toward us. Yet God has forgiven us and forgotten it. How then can we not be willing to forgive the sins of other people? If we can't forgive, we're actually demanding something of other people that God doesn't even demand of us. I'm telling you guys, if if you want to live this incredible life of gratitude, you've got to forgive. I believe you want to live this life of gratitude because what forgiveness does is it accelerates your gratitude. Someone else, I want to ask you that first. Maybe unforgiveness toward God. You just need to release that and break that today. Will you just close your eyes all across this room right now? I want you just to examine yourself, to close your eyes, to remove all the distractions around you. Is there something that's holding you back? Unforgiveness? Will you release that right now? I think the best way just to release that is just whisper the words, I forgive you, and then attach a name to the end of it. I forgive you. I forgive you, God. I forgive you. Just, just say it out. Let it out. Let it out into the air. You don't have to say it loud. Just whisper it. It's nobody's business but your own and God's. Release that forgiveness now. See, see there are strongholds of the enemy that are being broken even now as you guys are whispering this. Mm -hmm. The second, as you just continue to stay in this attitude of prayer, 
Maybe there's some of you who are in here and you've never really surrendered your life to Jesus. And you want to know Jesus. You want your sins forgiven. You want to experience forgiveness. Oh, the Lord wants to forgive you. He does. He loves you. See, communion is for the family of God. You see, you don't have to be a part of City Life Church to receive communion with us, but you do need to be a part of the family of God. And if uh, Jesus is not the Lord of your life and you want to make him the Lord of your life today, see your sin erased, I want you to respond just simply by lifting your hand when I count to three in just a second. That way I can connect my faith with yours and then we'll pray together because it's time for you to live. It's time. Is that you? You want to know this Jesus? You want him in your life? You want your sins forgiven? One, two, three. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Lift your hands. Thank you. Who else? I want to make things right with Jesus today. Thank you. Put your hands down. If you lift your hand, I want you along with the entire congregation of believers to pray these words with me. Pray it out loud. Everyone, dear Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. I believe you're the son of God. Forgive my sins. It's time for me to live. I give up my past and I embrace the future that you have for me. I'm grateful for you. In Jesus' name. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's message. You know, City Life Church, we are all about developing followers of Jesus who influence and shape culture. And it's possible that you are even feeling a a shift that is coming in your life, or possibly deep down inside, you feel called to something more. And City Life might be a part of that future. Let me tell you, Launch Sunday is the big event that's coming up, and it's happening on February 10th, 2019. And if you'd really like to be a part of what God is doing in downtown Fort Worth through City Life Church, I'm asking you to go and visit our website at citylifefw.org and click the launch button. Uh, You could also just come and visit one of our services because I I really believe the future is bright and it's limitless in potential. I want you to hear my vision. I want you to be a part of what God is doing at City Life and come and chat with me personally after one of the services.